we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? up everybody thank you for listening to the flip side podcast we are back after a weekend full of sports a weekend full of football and it was a beautiful thing i watched a lot of football i'm planning on doing that all season long um wasn't really sure if we were going to get it and to be honest you know all the all the uh different things that we thought were going to be going to be game changers going to be deal breakers for us as fans watching were were really, really not a big deal. The presentation of the game, like I said in my previous show, was was uh, not not much missing. I mean, it was it was watching football, and it was it it seemed like a game, and the crowd being crowd noise being pumped in uh, uh, made it made it seem like any other year, even though we know that it's absolutely not. Uh, today, today I'm going to run through. I'm not exactly going to do um, scores. I'm not going to recap that. You can look at that. And if you if you have a fantasy team, uh, I'm sure you're well aware of who did what. But what I'm going to do today is give you five things that you should absolutely not overreact to that we saw in week one. Uh, this happens every year. People overreact. They see things in week one and uh, early in the season that they think are going to be tried and true. They bet on them. I'm, I'm here to tell you, every year we do this. Every year there's things that people jump at and... Um, it, it it doesn't work out. And uh, number five, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh, the Cowboys' loss. Um, first of all, uh, the only thing that was really concerning about this was the fact that the Cowboys' offensive line, which had been um, their their calling card for the last <clears throat> five to ten years, uh, wasn't very good. Uh, Dak was under a lot of pressure, but uh, Zeke Elliott ran well. Uh, the receivers look good. The defense looked good. Uh, they just they just couldn't make the plays when they needed to. But a lot of that, I mean, they were on the road. Uh, new coaching staff, new 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 everything, and no preseason to to really hammer those things home. So I'm not going to overreact to the Cowboys losing on the road in Week One to the former the former Super Bowl uh, runner-up NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. The number four thing I'm not going to overreact to, although people people are up in arms about this, is the Indianapolis Colts losing to Jacksonville. Look, nobody knew what we were going to get from Jacksonville. People thought that we were going to get uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars phoning it in and, you know, tanking for Trevor, whatever that may be. But you have to understand that the, the Indianapolis Colts are a better football team than Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. Whether, whether they won Sunday or not, they're going to win more football games than Jacksonville. Uh, they they had a bad week. They lost Marlon Mack. That's um, that's big for fantasy going down the line. But uh, Philip Rivers is is somewhat washed, but he's not washed enough to make this team worse. Uh, Philip Rivers can play. Like I said, uh, it's a it's it's a new quarterback that that has known only one one system, one uh, one team for 15 years or whatever it is. 
going into a new environment. Again, no preseason, not a ton of time at camp to get these things down without any live action. Uh, the Colts are going to be better. The Jags are going to be worse. Just bank on it. Uh, the third thing I'm not going to overreact to. Number three um, is Aaron Rodgers' game. Uh, yes, Aaron Rodgers can play. Aaron Rodgers can still play. To me, that was never in doubt. But what we saw from Aaron Rodgers was him with a chip on his shoulder. One, because they got a a new quarterback, his replacement it seems, in Jordan Love. But more importantly, we saw a inexperienced um, Minnesota Vikings secondary. I mean, outside of Harrison Smith, you had you had two two rookie corners out there. Gone are uh, gone is Xavier Rhodes and uh, Daniel Hunter, their best pass rusher, did not play. Uh, don't get too invested. Yes, Aaron Rodgers looked good. Yes, the Packers looked good. They did give up a lot of points, but I'm not. I'm not going to overreact and say, oh, Aaron Rodgers' decline was fake. No, he's. you get to that age and your decline is real. Uh, that was a decimated, well, not decimated, but inexperienced secondary. He's looking at a decimated secondary this week at home against Detroit. So don't be surprised if the Aaron Rodgers hype continues. But if you're betting on the Packers going forward after this week, be warned. It, it may be smoke and mirrors. Their defense didn't look that great. And these are probably the two most inexperienced or beat-up secondaries they're going to play all year long. Number two, most thing we thing that we don't need to overreact to is Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals beating San Francisco. Yes, it was big. Yes, San Francisco was the big bad bully last year. Their defense was unreal, so people are people are excited. Arizona's the betting darling this year. People people think they're going to do great, just like. Cleveland last year, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Sure, they're gonna they're they're likely gonna take a step forward. They got better at a lot of positions that they were really weak at. However, if you look back at the historically good San Francisco defense from last year, they struggled against Kyler Murray in both games. He had two of his best games last season against this San Francisco 49ers. So it's no surprise. And also to note, uh, Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson also played well against this team. So that tells me that hopefully in this in this copycat league, people are taking notes and quarterbacks that run the ball and run the ball effectively uh, can be successful against this San Francisco defense that no one else really seems to figure out. But Kyler Murray had a good game. I expected him to have a good game. He was good against them last year in his rookie season. Of course, he's going to be better in his second season. He's a little more experienced. He's got new weapons. But San Francisco struggles with quarterbacks that run the ball and run the ball well. The number one thing we should not overreact to is the play of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sure, he didn't look like the Brady of old. He didn't he didn't come in, uh, hit the ground running as people thought he would. But understand that like like Philip Rivers, this was this is a quarterback that has known one system his entire career. Now he's got a new coach, he's got a new system, he's got new weapons, and he had no preseason to get ready for this. Not to mention, unlike Phillip Rivers, he's going against an elite team on both sides of the ball in the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have a great defense, and the Saints weren't affected as much by not having a preseason because they don't have a whole lot of new players. I mean, they've got Emmanuel Sanders and a couple pieces here and there, but for the most part, their core, their important players, their pro bowlers, they're all back. Um, the, the Saints 
the Saints just picked up where they left off last year. The Buccaneers have some learning to do. Uh, I thought their defense looked pretty good, considering. Um, Tampa Bay is going to figure out their run game, I'm sure of it. Brady's Brady's going to make better decisions. He's going to get on the same page with Godwin and Mike Evans and uh, Gronk and those guys, O.J. Howard, and uh, Tampa Bay is going to be just fine. So those are the five things that uh, I saw that I, I was chomping at the bit to get get laid down on tape because I knew that people were overreacting to them, and I, I saw it as soon as they happened. Oh, Brady's in trouble. Oh, you know, the uh, Kyler Murray beat San Francisco. I told you Kyler Murray or the Cardinals were going to be good this year. Hold your horses because this is a year unlike any other and uh, a year unlike any other provides us more overreaction in a week one where teams didn't have time to prepare. Give these teams that are off to slow starts a few weeks to get to get their feet below them and uh, get some of these injuries that, that probably would have been worked out in preseason or – uh, with more camp time, time to heal up, let these guys get in a rhythm, get in a workout routine, and uh, the cream will rise back to the top. But but what you see with Tampa Bay is not what you're going to get the rest of the year. And what you see with Arizona, conversely, is not what you're going to get the rest of the year. So beware. And uh, unless San Francisco is – or if Arizona's playing the 49ers, sure, bet them, as long as they're not favorites. But uh, beware betting, betting on – uh, the Cardinals, beware betting against Brady and the Bucks. Um, that's all I got. Let's get ready for week two. Thursday night, we've got Cincinnati and Cleveland, a civil war that is not real entertaining, except that there's some quarterback storylines and some fantasy implications in that one. Uh, I'm looking forward to week two. Let's, uh, let's bet wisely, and uh, I'll see you soon. What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to the Flipside Podcast. We appreciate you making us part of your routine. Uh, today, we are joined by Flipside's college football guru, Big Ten aficionado in general, uh, Tyler Hayward, the host of the Trouble with the Snap podcast. Um, we have a jam-packed brief uh hopefully brief show full of nfl picks we're gonna go through our three locks our uh most confident picks against the spread for this week uh this week in the nfl uh but first tyler hayward in his area of expertise we've got big news coming out of the big 10 what do you got for us tyler well uh the big 10 announced earlier today that there will be college football in the Midwest and um, the dates obviously a little skewed from reports, but then again, what hasn't been the way Kevin Warren has handled this. Um, and I've been at about that many a times, I think once on your show here uh, and then quite a few on uh, the trouble with the snap podcast, where that's pretty much all we've been covering because there's nothing else to freaking talk about in the realm of Michigan, Michigan state athletics. Um, ultimately though, uh, Look, October 23rd, 24th is the uh, start date. Um, eight games. There will be a Champions Week where they're going to pit, um, obviously, you know, the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West together uh, for the Big Ten Championship game. And then you'll have the number two team in the East play the number 
two team in the West and right on down the line you go. And so it's a little interesting. I don't know if I like that as opposed to just maybe abiding by what have been standard crossover rules. Um, but it gives you an opportunity. Uh, let's say if you look at the teams out in the East, you look at a team like a, uh, Rutgers and a Maryland and a Michigan state who aren't projected to bode well, um, you know, they're going to get spanked in their division by Michigan, Penn state and Ohio state. And then you look at, uh, you know, Maryland and Michigan state, they could probably go head to head and it'd be a pretty competitive game because I think Maryland's always kind of been underrated as far as talent. And then, uh, I mean, you have those types of games and all of a sudden you've already lost half of your games and then you have to go out to the west and you could see iowa minnesota and wisconsin and that wouldn't be uh pretty either so i think it gives them that opportunity just to get a little bit of confidence so i'm kind of torn on it i guess but it's uh definitely something different it's something interesting and it uh gives the big 10 enough time if everything goes well with covid to get their name in the college football playoff conversation yeah, I mean, and by the way, I mean Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, what what would I do as a as an undying Big Ten football fan without my uh, Northwestern Purdue noon kickoffs on ESPN four? Yeah, well, it gives you something to look forward to on ESPN two when <laughs> Indiana gets to play. So, right. Yeah, it's uh. I mean, it's it's certainly a top-heavy division, and and how much, how much of this? I mean, we we saw the reports that it was, I mean, a twelve to two vote against this happening or whatever it was. What what's what flipped in this in this short time frame to make it a unanimous vote for playing? Well, ultimately, um, what ended up happening is the science behind it. I mean, that's what they're, you know, boasting about, anyways. Ultimately, it's one of those weird things where, you know, you get that word and that's what, you know, especially in Michigan, you've been getting the word, the phrase, the science. And there's no specifics that really go with that. There's no specifics that are really going with this. I think ultimately what they realized is that they prematurely made a decision to cancel. They saw the ACC playing. They're getting ready to see the SEC play. And they realized that, hey, they have an opportunity to go out, recover some of the revenue that's going to be lost. Obviously, you're not going to get all of it back because there will be no fans in any of the stands, uh, just parents of players uh, for the Big Ten and all 14 teams. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's ultimately what changed it. Um, You know, it's obviously different from what they say, and I think I have a right to kind of you know, refrain from reading their script directly because they've been so inconsistent with their decision-making and their uh, publicizing of uh, what exactly is going on. Yeah, and let's let's be honest, if if I'm going to be the, the college college sports narcissist here and uh, like I like I rarely, rarely am. <laughs> um I think do do we think any of this has to do with the fact that they saw these other schools uh, playing football and the transfer portal opening and them seeing themselves losing ground to the schools that were already ahead of them? 
Yeah, I th- I think some of that played a part. I mean, I you can sit there and you can look at a billion different reasons, and I'm sure all of it was at least fractionally involved in making this decision. Probably more than fractionally. <laughs> well, I'm saying you can look at a billion different reasons as to why, uh, you know, first you're losing money and that's obviously a little more than fractionally, but then you look at, you know, certain players that you're losing out on. I know there's been a handful of recruits that have come out and they said, well, well, in the SEC, it just means more, which given that's the SEC's tagline, it feels kind of lazy, a lazy excuse, but look, they're right. It means more in the SEC and when the big 10, and then you also factor in the, Big Ten canceling prematurely and then seeing uh, that um, they have access to everyday testing, which I think is the big thing that ultimately uh, swayed the Big Ten. Um, And if that gets packaged under their uh, use of the phrase, the science, and so be it. But I think there's a lot of different reasons why Um, you are already Ohio State's pretty much the only team that can recruit nationally with uh, the big boys Uh, Michigan's close Penn State's close Uh, no one else really recruits at that level so so I think that it's a uh, I think it's a big thing that they are finally deciding to go and they're also giving the uh, options for uh players who have said, you know what, I'm going to sit out this season to reconsider now that you're doing it a few months later than uh, you would have been doing otherwise. And uh, I mean, there's probably a buttload of paperwork involved in that, but, you know, they're giving those kids those opportunities to reevaluate their decisions. Um, I know one player, uh, like I said, we covered Michigan and Michigan State on trouble with the snap. Uh, Marcel Lewis, not a big name at Michigan State. Young kid, not going to play a ton, maybe a little bit on special teams. Um, he's got a uh, condition that you'd fully understand him sitting out this season because of COVID-19. And uh, he said because there's uh, so many more precautions in this layout, uh, this plan of attack that the Big Ten has, uh, he feels comfortable and he's going to uh, reverse his decision. He's going to come back and play. So um, we'll, we'll see as uh, that kind of uh, transpires. You look at Wade at Ohio State. I think he was the last big name to uh, make that decision. Uh, if he decides to change his mind and, uh, you know, return to OSU, get a shot at a championship before being top 10 to 15 pick in the NFL draft. So, I, I like how the Big Ten is doing this now. Kevin Warren's still not off the hook because this does indicate that he made his de- that uh, the decision was made prematurely. But when you also look at it and you have uh, U of M's president, who you know is a doctor who was leading the charge against it, and Samuel Stanley at Michigan State, who also a doctor, um, obviously one of the eleven that voted against uh, playing initially. It was unanimous this time around. So there, there's something that happened well above, you know, my pay grade in accounting that, uh, you know, these doctors deem that, it, you know, it's fit to play football. And if it's because of the pressure from the fans, uh, the ability to get that testing every day, uh, no, it doesn't matter. I got kicked off in five weeks. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it, just side note before we 
before we do get into big boy football. But um, I mean, we did we did see one devastating blow to a Big Ten powerhouse and uh, wide receiver Nico Collins uh, announcing that he was going to opt out this season and prepare for the NFL draft. Um, he's he he means a lot to the Michigan offense, but. Like we've stated, uh, really the only school that this affects in the grand scheme of things is that school down south, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, but what what we're what our our focus is today is on uh, the National Football League, and we have our three locks against the spread that we like this week, and you should too if you like money. So. I'm going to let Tyler go ahead and kick it off with his third favorite pick of the week. Look, it's it's seven points, but I really like Baltimore against Houston. Um, when you look at it, obviously, Lamar Jackson played lights out in week one. Um, Deshaun Watson, look, the case has been made that he needs more help. And so what did they go out and do? <laughs> yeah. got rid of their help. They got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so that's less separation. That's less of an ability to, if you're in trouble, just saying screw it and throwing the ball up in the air. Um, he got sacked four times in week one. Um, granted, I know the Chiefs' uh, defense and their pass rush is it's really an underrated aspect of what the Chiefs do. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, oh, well, they got the track stars. They got uh, future Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes. And now Clyde Edwards Hilaire took up all the headlines after week one. And so their pass rush, though, is really good. It's not as good as Baltimore's, though. And uh, between the bad offensive line in Houston, uh, losing DeAndre Hopkins, and then you also look at what happened, I believe it was week 11 of last year, Baltimore just stomped Houston uh, 41-7. to um, I know it's in Houston, but let's be real, there's no crowd. There's just going to that consistent screaming of fans that has almost become annoying on your TV because there's no uptick for a fumble, no oozahs for flag catches, no booing for flags, any of that type of stuff. And uh, I, I got Baltimore just because they look so dominant. They look like they know what they missed out on last year. And uh, they're trying to get an opportunity to, uh, not Kansas City off, uh, so I got the Ravens. Yeah, and and I don't argue with it. I don't I don't love anything at seven because it leaves you a good chance for a push because a lot of games end in seven point spreads. But uh, what we saw Houston do at a almost successful rate was get to the quarterback against Kansas City, and um, while you can JJ Watt and Whitney Merciless can can get to a Patrick Mahomes who isn't a whole lot faster than those two. We're talking about a whole different monster in Lamar Jackson, where if that pocket collapses, um, your, your weak linebacker play, your weak secondary is going to get shredded. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't, I absolutely don't hate a Baltimore pick and the way they started this season, the way they started last season shows you that they have all the ability in the world to cover a measly seven point spread. Uh, Speaking of, mobile quarterbacks. My third pick is I like, I like the Buffalo bills minus five and a half at Miami. And I know that taking a 
a short road favorite and somewhat short road favorite isn't isn't a great uh great strategy but i really like this buffalo team and i think that they they uh check all the boxes when it comes to matching up with miami um josh allen is about as underrated as as they get as far as mobile quarterbacks go their defense is good at every level tremaine edmonds can cover side to side uh, Tredavious White's as good as they get at the cornerback position, and they can get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they added Stephon Diggs, and uh, I know it's a revenge spot for Fitzmagic, but he he threw three interceptions last week, and the and the rumblings are starting for for Tua. And um, I, I I think Brian Flores is a decent coach in Miami, but I'll lose a whole lot of faith in him if he throws out in injury prone to a tongue of Iloa against this Buffalo bills, deadly, deadly defense. So I like the bills minus five and a half at Miami. Tyler, let's hear your second pick. Well, well, first off, I was going to consider that one as uh, one of my picks, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to piggyback off of you too much. Um, you know, cause you gave me your list before I gave you mine, but yeah, I, Look, I, I like that pick for all the same reasons that you just mentioned. You know, they're not going to be able to move the ball. And uh, Devontae Parker, he's still a little dinged up as well. Yeah, and probably not going to play. Yeah, and that's going to make a world of difference both for uh, the Miami Dolphins and my fantasy team this weekend. But when you uh, – number two for me, I'm, I'm doing something a little crazy. I'm going against the hoodie. Mm. I'm going against the hoodie. Uh, Seattle's given uh, for New England. I still like Seattle. I think that uh, New England's defense, well, they picked off uh, Fitzmagic three times in week one. Look, I think they're a little overrated. I know how fantastic they were last year, but at the end of last year, you started to notice them getting gashed a little bit. You, you started finding out their weaknesses right up front, running the ball, um, and that's where a guy like Chris Carson comes into play. Very underrated guy. Uh, they started using him a little bit more in the passing game as well. Um, those quality backs hurt New England at the end of last season on the back half of the year. Um, as great as New England started out, um, but I the the way uh, Carroll opened up the playbook in Week One, let Russell sling it thirty-one for thirty-five. Um, DK Metcalf has come into his own now. Um, I just feel like it's a great matchup for uh, Russell Wilson still because he also gives you that uh, mobile quarterback that you have to watch out for. And now that we've seen a little bit of how uh, how Belichick plans on using Cam Newton, I think that you know the I think that a Pete Carroll defense and you know he mix in. Bobby Wagner in the middle of that defense as well, being able to, uh, I mean, he's one of the smarter linebackers in the league. I think that he can, uh, you know, call off Cam a little bit. I think that, uh, you know, he still doesn't really have anybody to throw to. Edelman's great, but he's older and he's a slot receiver and he's shorter than me. And so those are the types of situations that, uh, look, you, you need to hit a big play on that Seattle defense. It's possible to do it still because it's not exactly the Legion of Boom back there, but they're still pretty good. <laughs> and I think that uh, 
look, I, I think Seattle outmatches uh, New England. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I dare not go against Belichick as a as a schematic guy, as an X and O guy, and I, I don't, I don't love going against Cam Newton because you know the 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 narrative is that he's often injured, but even even often injured, everybody points to his 2018 campaign where he was. He was hobbled and his team wasn't very successful. He did throw for 66%. But I do think that um, at this point, the the running game of Seattle, Russell Wilson is, for my money, I know it's an unpopular opinion, that's, that's the best quarterback on the planet. And while I think J.C. Davis and Stephon Gilmore are as good as they get at the cornerback position, I, I don't know that New England has an answer for – the Greg Olsons and those third options and Chris Carson up the middle. Uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll, it'll be, it'll be cool to see the the chess match between Carroll and Belichick. As we know, last time they were in a big spot, Belichick got the better of him, but that's. Um, oh, really? Cause based upon his press conference after uh, the game, yeah, you could have sworn it was yeah. all Matt Patricia. Hey, we don't, we don't talk about the lions on the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I don't hate it. I I stayed away from it because you got two dynamic quarterbacks and two good coaches, and I, I think that game could get blown open either way. Um, my second pick, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons getting spotted four points at Dallas. Now, a lot of people, I get a lot of pushback because people think that I just hate on Dallas, and I mean, while I do hate Dallas as most non-cowboy fans do. Um, I just think that this this team on paper, I mean, you add Al, Alden Smith, you 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 add a lot of pieces, you add C.D. Lamb, and but what I saw in Week One was an offensive line for the f- that for the first time in ten years didn't look like they were in the top five, and um, a secondary that looked inexperienced. And what you don't want against the Atlanta Falcons is first of all to allow a weak pass rush to be able to get to your quarterback but more than that you don't want an inexperienced and uh, raw secondary against uh, Julio Jones Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage who all got 12 targets last week and all had nine catches for over 100 yards um I mean, Matt Ryan threw for 450 against Seattle. Seattle's defense, like you said, is not what they used to be, but their back end is probably still better than Dallas's at this point with the departure of uh, Byron Jones and a couple other key pieces. Also, Leighton Vander Esch is out, looks like, for the season again. Looks like he's going to be, um, you know, he said that his idol was Sean Lee, and it looks like he's following right in his footsteps. Um, I, I do have some concern about Atlanta's ability to slow down, to stop or even slow down Zeke Elliott in the running game. But I do think that this Atlanta offense is explosive enough to where if Dallas does get a lead, they're going to be able to do whatever they want to, uh, fling the ball around the, around the field and keep this game close. So I like Atlanta plus four at Dallas. 
Yeah, I I don't know about that one. Um, I, I know I get what you're saying about the line. And uh, at the same time, part of the reason that line may have experienced a little bit of pushback is because they went against Aaron Donald, who's kind of an okay football player. And obviously, um, I mean, you've used the phrase as good as, as good as it gets a few times. He's as good as it gets in the NFL period, doesn't like regardless of position. And I, so I think maybe that may have played a little bit of a role in it. I'm not saying it's everything, but, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, go that ballsy there. Yeah. And you, you feel like that one about that one, the same way I feel about, uh, Russ versus Cam Belichick versus Carroll. It's just, I, I, I mean, more, anything more than a field goal I was taking that line on because just because of the how explosive their offense can be and their ability to to catch back up if they get down yeah. but uh what is your absolute lock of the week well I'm gonna go with another seven point spread I'm taking San Francisco all day against the Jets all day against the Jets um Le'Veon Bell uh had about 46 yards or whatever in one half. Well, he's out, and that's pretty much the Jets' offense. They have the he had about uh, 75% of it on one catch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, it, obviously, you know, it's it's the New York Jets. They suck. And without Le'Veon they suck even worse. Uh, you have Frank Gore, who's older than my grandfather. Um, Re- revenge spot. And he's got the ability to uh, – go out there and he can give you a couple yards here and there, but the Jets offensive line is awful. They're going to be behind because they don't really have a defense. Um, they're going to end up falling behind. They're going to have to throw the ball. Their offensive line is terrible. The Niners obviously have a great defensive front. Yeah, they Look, they uh, had their issues last week. And I know so many people are so high on Sam Darnold, even though we haven't really seen what we want to from him. But Kyler Murray, that Arizona offense, that's kind of a different animal, especially with they don't have a big play receiver. Um, they got a lot of uh, possession guys. and They're going to need to end up stretching the field, and they're not going to be able to do that. And so I got San Francisco just running the train on the Jets. Yeah, yeah. And, um yeah, I, I I can't disagree. That's why this is also my uh, biggest lock of the week. Uh, seven is something that I normally stay away from, and uh, seven as a as a favorite on the road is something that I usually absolutely stay away from. But the first of all, um, I would take a high school team against a high school coach against Adam Gase on any day of the week. But the, the people, people, this, this line is probably, probably going to be nine and a half, at least if they don't lose to Arizona last week, but Arizona, I mean, if you go back to last year, San Francisco had one of the most, most dominant defenses we've ever seen, but they struggled against a rookie Kyler Murray. They struggled against Lamar Jackson. They struggled against Russell Wilson. They all ran the ball on what Sam Darnold cannot do is run. I like Sam Darnold. I think that um, just I like don't running, even with how bad their offensive line is. I don't even think he's going to be able to backpedal. No, he's he's probably going to see ghosts as he 
so eloquently put it. But the um, the problem isn't Darnold. I think Darnold might be Darnold's decision making might be the only thing that makes this less than a thirty point game at halftime. Uh, the news just came out that. Richard Sherman is headed to the IR and I, I, I don't care. It doesn't change my pick. Um, New York is, I mean, everybody talks about Jacksonville's in full rebuild and yeah, they, they probably are. But if, if the jets dumping Robbie Anderson and Jamal, uh, Jamal Adams, isn't a full rebuild. I don't know what is. They, they have Frank Gore who, Sure, if you get inside inside the two yard line, he could be devastating. But I don't I don't think the Jets are going to sniff the two yard line. Uh, San Francisco is not thrilled that they lost last week. They're they're catching a bad rap, and people think that they're overrated. Um, I still think they're the best team in the NFC, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, they're going to get to Darnold at will. They're gonna run Kittle or no Kittle, Sherman or no Sherman. There's this this could be the you're not gonna have to sweat this one if you bet this. Because I think this game is over by halftime. And um Le'Veon Bell being out is even more of a reason to love the 49ers in the spot. Um yeah, I mean top to bottom, this is this is like the the Texans and the, the Chiefs last week, like other than the quarterback position being somewhat equal, I think every other spot on the field is dominated by the 49ers. Like um, they, they're, they're upset. They lost last week. They're the Jets don't seem to care if they win or lose. Um, they're, they're not going to contend with Miami. They're not going to contend with obviously Buffalo or new England in the division, both of those teams, I think, are inferior to this San Francisco team that they're about to play. So I'm looking for the 49ers to win this game by about 30. So um, if if you're betting if you're betting this week, um, you've got you've got two people that know their stuff saying that this is your lock. So uh, if you want if you want to make money, take the San Francisco 49ers minus seven. At the New York Jets. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised you can look at not even just the rosters, but you just like you can look at it on paper. You can look at what they did last year. You can look at the changes that were made. You can look at all that type of stuff. I'm surprised it's this low. I know that you know they obviously try not to go over that, but the, this Jets team is that bad. Yeah, they they are that bad, and when you're best weapon doesn't have time to throw well let's just say you've seen what ha- has happened to uh, Deshaun Watson yeah. you know it it completely neutralizes everything that you've got and uh, you know Le'Veon Bell wasn't only key in the running game he's key in the passing game as well and so you lose a little bit on uh, both ends there it th- this isn't this isn't fair <laughs> there's not really another way to put it the only way I would consider taking the Jets if they were if it were a triple-digit spread. <laughs> That's yeah. the only way I would do it. This is going to be – it's not going to be the biggest blowout of the NFL season because, obviously, you know, Baltimore can just show up pissed off against Cleveland again. But this could 
this is going to be right up there. It's going to be a top three blowout this season. Yeah, and th- I mean, this game could very well be a thirteen point game. It could be, it could be twenty to seven. But looking at the score is not going to tell you the story of this game. San Francisco controls the clock. They're they're going to do whatever they want. They're they're going to. There's a good chance that they get up by two touchdowns, and Mostert gets a ton of carries, and they this this game's over before the rest of their games in their slot. Um, Kyle Shanahan has the advantage. Um, Garoppolo, Darnold, I'd call maybe a push. Uh, Greg, there, Greg, George Kittle is probably out this week, which leaves them with Jordan Reed, who's also better than any tight end that the Jets have had in the past 10 years. Um, yeah, this, this is going to get ugly. And if, if you're feeling froggy, uh, play the Jets money line to win this game straight up. And you might, if, if it, if it hits, Go play the Powerball because this this is going to be ugly, and um, that's I mean, two people have said that it's it's the lock of the week. It's a road team with an ugly number like seven, and we still both took it. So if 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 you want to make money, this this is your best bet. Don't worry about the number. Don't worry about who's on the road. Just just look at the matchup on paper, and this this is a done deal. Look, it's not going to matter who's on the road or not ultimately in those situations. Like I said, Fireman Ed isn't going to be in the stands anymore. So it's it's completely irrelevant. If they do put fans in those stands, I mean, there's so many people that are so mad at the Jets that you might see a whole lot of red and gold in that that crowd anyway. Cross country. Well, 49ers travel. They're like the Steelers and the Cowboys. they, They travel. But that's what we got for today. Um, get your bets in before this line moves. Uh, the raw, it, the, this one doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever way this moves, just play it. Um, <laughs> but as far as Atlanta or Seattle, get your bets in now before the line moves to an unfavorable position. Um, that's what we got. Make sure you listen f- to the Trouble with the Snap podcast hosted by Tyler Hayward. Going at it tonight. For all of your Big Ten um, information, whether it's football, basketball, recruiting, um, they they focus on Michigan, Michigan State. So if you are the if if I have a Rutgers fan out there, which uh, that would allow me to corner one hundred percent of the market, um, this may not be the show <laughs> for you. But. Um, while they while they focus on Michigan, Michigan State for the most part, they got a lot of insight on the rest of the Big Ten, and I'll probably cover Michigan and Ohio State on this show, maybe. So, uh, if you want college football, you want college basketball, trouble with the snap is the way to go. If if you if you want to follow the maybe third best conference in in football, <laughs> we're gonna talk on another show. I just want you to know that. Yeah, yeah. They're probably second in football, let's be fair. Um, We're going to have that talk on another show, which I just want you to know that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that will wrap it up for us. Um, I've I've unloaded content on you today. I have the U.S. Open betting preview, the NBA um, conference finals preview, 
the epic collapse of Doc Rivers and the Clippers that makes me so, so, so happy because they, what you don't want to do in sports is overlook a team and they overlooked an entire conference and it bit them in the ass and I love it. Um, so go listen to those and go listen to Trouble with the Snap. Thanks for listening.